When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You're listening to the MLS Multiplex Podcast with writers from MLSMultiplex.com. Hey everyone, welcome to the MLS Multiplex Podcast. I am Drew Hubbard with Josh Boland here talking all things uh, MLS, American soccer, and everything going on with it. Josh, how's it going, buddy? Uh, It's going well, all things considered. Yeah, we're in a pretty fun time in soccer world. Um, we're an MLS podcast, but there is no MLS because of the virus that I think has, like, I think it's affected every sport in the world by this point. I think I saw something earlier today about uh, the Women's League in Australia playing their final game behind closed doors, but... I, I do believe that's uh, just about the last uh, sporting event going on, and NFL free agency was crazy today. But beyond that, it's yeah, it's pretty much a ghost town, just like much of the world and many things going on. Yeah, so yeah, like we just said, you know, American sports and soccer around the world is getting affected. So there isn't a whole lot of MLS to talk about, but there's still um, soccer that we can discuss. You know, we have, you know. Soccer in America is still a pretty young sport, so it makes for a lot of interesting backstories that I've seen, like on Twitter, people using this little break talking about how they got into soccer, how they got into the sport, whether they grew up with it or not. Um, did you grow up with soccer at all? Uh, oddly enough, a lot of my best friends um, growing up in elementary school and everything, they they all played soccer, and I just, for whatever reason, I, I never did my. Uh, parents never really had me and my brother uh, play that many sports. but So I ended up going to their soccer games a lot. And for a while, I, I only really watched uh, World Cup 2010, 2014, followed along with that. It was always fun to wake up and then just watch soccer games throughout the day. But uh, after that, I didn't really pay that much attention until uh, Atlanta United came about. I am from Atlanta and live in the uh, greater Atlanta area right now. So uh, my brother said that he was getting tickets for the game and uh, asked if I wanted to join him and I did and you know once I got inside the stadium and saw a game in person I the rest is history and became super hooked on it so that's I mean that's really uh, how I got into soccer despite not being all that involved um, a few years ago yeah was your first game a game in Bobby Dodd or have you just been to the bins 
Um, so oddly enough, I happened to be in Europe in the summer of 2015 uh, as part of this uh, music tour thing I was doing, and the the group I was touring with, there was a chance for us to go see an FC Basel game in Switzerland, and I didn't really know what was going on, but tickets were like eight bucks, and it was just something to do that day. So I ended up going to a Basel game, and that was my first soccer experience in person. Um, so I've actually been to a European soccer match. Um, but again, I didn't really know what was going on. And so now it's kind of funny after all these years to be like, oh, wow, I, I saw like a Champions League team play a soccer game. So that, that was my first game before, I, before Atlanta started. But um, it's just very, very ironic. Yeah, what a story. First ever game is an FC Basel game. I didn't even know that was a club, actually. So I'm going to have to do research. Are they Swiss? Is that a Swiss club? Yeah, I think um, I haven't really kept up with them in the last couple of years. But I think they're one of the, if not the best team in Switzerland constantly. They're like one of those top two teams that are always getting into uh, European competition. So right on yeah my first game was an atlanta silverbacks game i don't even think they're a club anymore it was i think they rebranded themselves to like atlanta sc if anything but my first match was the atlanta silverbacks which was kind of cool like the beginning of soccer in atlanta but like you i didn't really grow up with this sport um i grew up playing baseball and like my family kind of pushed like baseball basketball and football on me um, but that 2010 World Cup was like my gateway drug into this sport. And I think my first game I really cared about was, I think it was against Algeria in that, I think it was a group stage game in that like famous Landon Donovan goal. Oh yeah, that, that's that's a big one. That's a big one. That, that, uh, I'm sure that hooked a lot of people. If, if anybody, like the, for those that were watching, especially if they weren't uh, big soccer fans yet, I probably hooked uh, many of them. Yeah, and then like for some reason I just love that. I think Spain, yeah, Spain won it that year, and I just like fell in love with Fernando Torres for some reason, <laughs> and that got me hooked because I followed him at Chelsea, and that was not long before they won Champions League. So that 2012 Champions League run um, was like my gateway drug in the club, and then yeah, like you said, I'm from Atlanta too. So when Atlanta got a team that just sparked the MLS in me, but before Atlanta got a team, did you follow MLS at all very much? Oh man, uh, you know, I I think I think the most I knew about MLS before Atlanta was, you know, David Beckham. That was like I remember watching Sports Center religiously as a kid, and it was such a big deal for ESPN and and all the media for him coming over and joining the Galaxy. So. You know, I, I I totally remember that, and um, I I remember like right before Atlanta started playing in 2017, I had one Facebook friend who was a Seattle Sounders fan, and uh, actually I think it was one of my college professors, and so he said something about them finally winning, and I was like, oh, yeah, MLS, we're getting a team, and that was that was like the extent of my my MLS knowledge before Atlanta began. Yeah, I started. I think before when Atlanta announced they got a team, I like I was just like, okay, I guess I gotta start following this league now. So I picked the Vancouver Whitecaps as my team. Um, Why? <laughs> I don't know. Like that that's the weirdest thing in the world because I think because Orlando City either I think they just got a team, 
and everyone was like, you know, that's going to be the rival. So, and whether it's a rival or not is a totally different topic, but I've got, I've got some opinions on that one (laughs) that we can save that for a later time. (laughs) Yeah. So I was like, all right, stay, stay away from Orlando city. And I think I just tried to pick the team furthest away from Atlanta and Vancouver's pretty clear across the country. And like, uh, there's like the weird, like, third kid and all these rivalries like seattle portland is huge and vancouver is just like hanging in there and then montreal toronto hate each other because canada and then vancouver is just hanging out as the third kid and all these rivalries and i love it (laughs) you're right they really are the odd man out (laughs) yeah and then just but yeah that was my intro and they were pretty good there for a while but then we have the Vancouver Whitecaps we know today. I think, yeah, finished last in the West last year or close to it. But Yeah, I, yeah I'm pretty sure they, they finished last. They definitely were on the struggle bus for most of the season, and only Cincinnati really looked worse. It's not a good thing when you're in the same conversation as SC Cincinnati. So Yeah, that's very, very good point. Not a good time to be a Whitecaps supporter, but, hey, they're there. But... Yeah, I mean, MLS is on pause. So is CONCACAF Champions League. Um, Leg 2 was supposed to be tonight um, between NYCFC and Tigres. Um, I think Montreal and Olympia was also supposed to be tonight. Um, And LAFC was the only MLS team that was hit by the virus before they could get their Leg 1 game in. But, I mean, look at LAFC. They were set to play Cruz Azul, um, who was kind of tearing up in the Mexican League. Um, and LAFC is just in this really weird stretch of games. Like, did they have a shot at all against Cruz Azul, you think? I I really, you know, at first, I think it was weird. After the first legs of the first round, right, um, of all the MLS teams, I think everyone was really, really down on LAFC the most just because of how they played against Leon in that first leg and just, you know, getting practically run off the field but after the way they played Leon in the return leg and just I mean I I don't know if you watched it Uh, I got to see most of it but honestly it was never even close LAFC was just so completely dominant Um, and it could have been I think the final aggregate was 3-2 and LA won 3-0 in that uh, in that second game and it could have been so much worse than it was um, and so, oddly enough, you know, even with them going up against Cruz Azul in this uh, second round, in this quarterfinal round, I felt like LAFC was going to have the best shot of moving on out of anybody. Um, they just got all this momentum. You know, they, even as someone in Atlanta, I got to give credit where credit's due. They've got the best player in MLS and Carlos Velo, probably the best player in this uh, region in CONCACAF. So I, you know, strangely enough, I was feeling pretty confident about LAFC giving Cruz Azul a good fight uh, after the way things turned out against Leon. So uh, I really thought that they had the best shot of anybody um, in this quarterfinal round, even after the way things kind of started for all the MLS teams. Yeah, then LAFC, after their return leg against Leon, they really turned it on. And then I don't know how to take this team. I mean, after that game against Philadelphia, I think it was 3-3. I mean, you're letting letting in three goals to Philadelphia. Um, And Cruz Azul's leading Liga MX with goals scored. 
Um, and they've just been on a tear one eight now, eight in a row. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you said, I think out of all the MLS teams, they have the best shot to advance. Um, but the other MLS teams, aside from Atlanta, and we'll get to that beatdown in a minute, but NYCFC, I mean, they hung with Tigres. I was, I know they, only, they lost one nothing, but I was very impressed with the way they played. Uh, yeah, I mean, me too. I, I didn't get to see too much of the game, but the the little bits I saw, um, you know, at NYFC honestly looked pretty good. They looked like they were holding their own, and I can't even imagine how the players felt. I, I, I don't know how they feel about playing in Red Bull Arena, but, um, you know, Tigres, they've, they've got a large following in North America, so I'm sure there were more of their fans there than the city fans. So all of that, you know, factoring in to the situation to to come out of there one nothing um, and to give up that uh, you know it sucks that they gave up the goal at the very end obviously uh, but for them to come out of that just on one nothing I mean I, I think you're right they they looked really good in some spots and you know obviously we won't really know but let's uh, let's be hypothetical about it for a second how do you think assuming it ends up getting played at some point how do you think they'd fare in that return leg at uh, at, at Tigres? Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, when you get down to Mexico, there's always the the challenge of playing in those stadiums. But, I mean, I think, you know, they, they held their own in leg one. I think they were the better team. Um, but like you said, it was just sucked to let that one goal away in the away goal. Um, so, I mean, I I think they would have to open up and kind of throw caution to the wind there. Um, but they showed us in leg one that they can do it, that they can last with this team. Um but again, it's it's hard to figure out what's going on. You know, you have such a big gap between games, and form can come and go. So maybe when, if and when leg two gets played, NYCFC maybe isn't feeling it as they did um, in leg one, and maybe form drops a little bit, or maybe the opposite happens, and um, it's just a full on goal fest um, for either team's favor. But I think. They can do it. I mean, I was not expecting just a 1-0 loss, especially the way they played. Um, so I'm not I'm not putting but they showed that they can do it before, so I wouldn't be surprised to see them do it again. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And, and you know, uh, again, everything is so up in the air right now with uh, all that's going on in the world. But y- you have to think if if the tournament comes back after however long this break is, in a sense – Right, all the teams will sort of be in this preseason mode, and that might even level the playing field for uh, MLS teams a bit. Granted, you know NYFCs—they're going to have to do it down in in Mexico, and that's a, a tall task, regardless of of form and and how fit everybody is. But uh, that might that might play to NYC's advantage and and the rest of the MLS teams as well, as they all hopefully get ready for a, a second leg. Yeah, I mean, I think when you talk about MLS trying to make that breakthrough and get um, win the CCL for the first time, an argument that always pops up is the scheduling. Um, these teams are playing their first matches of the season against some of the best teams they'll play all season. So, um, like you mentioned, yeah, having that kind of a level playing field where neither team, uh, depending on how long the, the break is going to be, neither team really being as fresh as they might be. So, yeah, that's a good point. That might play into... MLS's favor um, but they were not the only t- MLS team in action um, NY, uh, Montreal went to Olympia 
who knocked out the Seattle Sounders in round one, um, and another team, MLS team losing, um, but only lost two to one. Um, so I thought they hung with them well, got a goal, which is always good. Um, in the same boat is like in my CFC, very manageable mountain to climb. Um, I mean, do you think Montreal, for me, Montreal, this is like, I didn't expect them to make it this far at all. I thought they were going to be one and done. Um, so I was expecting Seattle to be in this round. Um, so I'm not putting anything past Montreal at this point. Um, do you think, did you see, and Victor Wainama, Wainalda, um, <laughs> new transfer, um, he got in, um, surprisingly enough, I didn't think he was going to play. Um, but do you think that is going to, just his presence in the field is going to help this team make it through? You know, as as much of a boost as he is to the team, and, you know, he had the assist on Tider's just world-class goal. I mean, what a goal. Wow. Um, you know, he had, he had that, you know, boost. He got the assist on that goal and everything, but – and I, someone who uh, has sort of followed Spurs for the last couple of years, I'm I was somewhat skeptical about them picking up Wanyama. Obviously, he's got a lot of skill and talent. You know, no one can play that long in the Premier League without uh, any of that. But that being said, just all the injuries that have um, you know plagued his career, and I, MLS is such a rigorous league in terms of all the travel and the, and the physicality of things and the lack of infrastructure compared to Europe. I, I don't know how he'll turn out for them um, as much of a big name and, and big transfer it was for Montreal. And But again, <laughs> you know, you take into account, we've got this break now, so, you know, theoretically, all these players will be super healthy and super rested up. So that might might play into Montreal's, um, uh, might, might play into their, their corner uh, to have this break. But uh, you know, it was I. I'm with you. I was a little surprised that he was already out there. He, he hasn't been playing much for Spurs before then, and so uh, for him to get to start in a in a Champions League game, I mean, they're playing. You know, it's Concacaf. You never know what you're gonna get. And he was welcomed with his yellow card there in the first half. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I was pretty surprised that he was in there. And but but yeah, I'm just I'm a little skeptical about. Maybe what his ultimate impact will be for the team. No pun intended. But, um, you know, that'll definitely be a sort of wait and see, I think, for, for him specifically. First episode, we already got a Montreal pun. This is starting <laughs> off awesome. The, yeah, you mentioned the injuries. Um, well, not the injuries, just the break that these teams are going through. And to help with injuries and fitness, I think a team that could use it more than anyone is Atlanta United. Um a beat down. I mean, I guess that's the way you can put it. Three nothing to America, and I was optimistic. Um, maybe I was looking too much to the Campeones Cup game, um, but I thought this team was gonna hang with them really well. Um, and then that first worldie just came in, and from then on, it was just. And then the second goal right after that. Um, but yeah, I mean, injuries galore for this team. Joseph, obviously, that's down for a while. Um, and then Mateus Rossetto, like, that's coming down. So do you think this break is going to help with those injuries? Uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, for Rossetto and his ankle injury, I'm sure he'll be healed up whenever they come back. And, and Franco Escobar's uh, quad injury, um, I'm sure Bello, George Bello, will be back after his concussion. Edgar Castillo should be back after his rib injury. Uh, Lawrence Wyke, same thing, uh, concussion injury. Um, 
I mean, everybody except Joseph, essentially. That being said, um, I mean, a 3-0 deficit is just really difficult. Um, you know, Atlanta has already been through this. They did it against Monterey last year. Um, and I, how did you feel about, because this is sort of following the same script, right? They went on the road to a, a giant Mexican team, uh, a team that's in great form, and they get smacked 3 nothing on the road. And, you know, for those that don't know, last year, the return leg in Atlanta, Atlanta played well. Um, it was at Mercedes-Benz, and they got that 1-0 win. So despite them playing well, it was just such an insurmountable uh, gap. And uh, how, how do you – how did this game feel to you compared to last year's Monterey game? I think this game was much – because I think going back, looking at Campione's Cup, that gave me some un- unnecessary hope that was ultimately destroyed, like the Atlanta sports we love to watch. But Monterey, I think I just went in that game last year not expecting a lot at all. Um, but this game I had pretty high expectations. I'm not necessarily expecting to win. I'm hoping for a draw at best for sure. But 3 nothing. I mean, that was not what I was looking I didn't think Atlanta was going to get beat that bad um and you know with Joseph coming out getting her in Nashville that definitely made it harder um you'd lose a player like that in any situation it's going to be more difficult to win but Pity and Barco's play recently was pretty encouraging um so I thought those two were going to live up to the price tag and the name that they have um and it was just not not that at all. It was that first goal went in, and from then on, um, the injuries just the, in the defense it, it just got ripped apart for that second goal. Um, so it's going to be hard for sure, like you mentioned. I mean, last year uh, they played well in the second leg at Mercedes Benz. Um, right now, that leg is scheduled to be in Kennesaw, um, which again, up in the air, we're not sure if that's going to stay there or if scheduling is going to benefit Atlanta and they'll be able to come back to play in the bins instead of in Kennesaw. Um, so either way, I mean, that was, it's going to be hard against a really good team. Um, I mean, you get one, they slip in one away goal and it seems borderline impossible to come back from that. So they're going to have to open up to make a comeback, but at the same time, you let one in, and it's it seals it up for me. Yeah, I, I totally agree with so much of that. And, you know, it, it's funny. Same score lines, you know, 3 nothing in that first leg, but the games felt just vastly different. I mean, last year there was the penalty that Atlanta conceded in the first half, and they were honestly holding on pretty well. But then there's those last 15 minutes for those MLS teams where they just get completely gassed and just just run out of the stadium. Uh, and that just really put Atlanta behind the eight ball for that return leg. Whereas this year, they just kind of got behind early. And, um, you, you know, you're, you're right about PT and Barco. I mean, they really, I think I think everyone, not only Atlanta fans, but just MLS fans in general, they're, they're waiting. They're just waiting for these guys to live up to those large uh, uh, transfer fees. And, you know, I, I thought, you know, actually PT and Barco were the, really the only few shining spots for Atlanta in that first leg. And it, you know, you got, you got to feel for PT sometimes, man, he's so close to scoring those goals and he just, he just can't, he just can't get there sometimes and definitely happening then on uh, uh, last Wednesday night. And then 
Barco, you know, he was flying all over the field, and it was really great to see. But again, there's nothing to show for them. And you're right. If if Club America even get one goal in that return leg, then I just I I can't see Atlanta overcoming it. Um, and I, I touched on this a little bit, but how did you feel about uh, Frank DeBoer's first half approach with a sort of uh, defensive kind of five, three, two that they took? How, how'd you feel about that? Yeah, that was, um, and yeah, for you, you don't know, um, Josh wrote a really good article about that on the website. So I encourage you to go to the website and check it out. Um, but it was, it was surprising in a sense that I understood the, taking the defensive approach, um, I think in an interview earlier in the week, someone asked him, like, if you could take a tie, would you do it? He said, yeah, like, if you can promise me a tie, I'll sign for it right now. So I understand trying to get out of there with as little damage as possible. But like you mentioned in the article, I think part of this team's strength is not doing that at all. Um, not playing in this defensive, oh, we're just going to hope for, we're going to let you beat us, but not as bad as you might think. Um, I think this team is strongest when you get the ball to those playmakers. And like you said, I mean, that was the shining spot for me in leg one was pity was Barco. Um, so I don't think I understand the mindset of trying to play defensive, but you got to get the ball to those guys' feet. Um, and that wasn't happening too much when you play in this bunker defense um, and just holding on for dear life. So it was I understand it, but I don't think it plays well, it plays to the best that this team can do. Yeah, and, and and even even if Atlanta were just a little bit healthier in the back line, like even if you know they had Franco Escobar, or of course somehow we forgot to mention him earlier, but Miles Robinson as well with his injury, if if even one of those two guys was was on that back line, then maybe things would have turned out a little bit differently, or maybe the night would have um, progressed in a different manner. But because of those injuries, you know, I, you're right. Like DeBoer, you know, I just like you, I, I understand where he's coming from and the reason why he wanted to be so defensive, but yeah, just does not play to that team's strengths. That, that does them, it does them no good to play like that. And they definitely got burned for it in the first half. And, and for anybody that watched the second half was so clearly better from Atlanta. And, but by then it was too late. Nothing they could do to, to come back from that. Yeah. So in that second half, what did you see from Atlanta that made it um, a better half for them because yeah I agree with you I think it was much more like we thought it was going to be in the second half the Atlanta we thought we were going to see the the biggest thing right out the gate I mean DeBoer subbed on Rossetto for I think it was Eric Rometty and right there I mean that was the key because in the few um, appearances that Rossetto's made with Atlanta there was the Birmingham Legion preseason match and then uh, he had just appeared against Cincinnati the weekend prior um, in just those few moments that he was on the field, I mean, he, he scored the game-winning goal against uh, Birmingham in that preseason game, and he was already creating in the Cincinnati game. And right off the bat, subbing him on was a great choice. I think as soon as Atlanta kicked at the at the center circle, they immediately kicked the ball forward and started attacking like milliseconds after the whistle. Um, and so that was a, a great sub. I thought DeBoer was really trying hard to correct his mistakes um, and just like I said, out of the gate, that was a really big difference for the team. And they were creating more chances. Uh, they were creating more shots. Um, they finally forced 
the Club America goalkeeper into a save. I think it was within the first 10 minutes of the second half um, after not forcing any saves in the first half. So that was a big change from DeBoer, a smart change. And, of course, then after that, Seto got injured, and he had to use another sub. And fortunately, Atlanta were able to stay attacking. But at that point, America were, were pretty uh, comfortable with sitting back and just kind of absorbing pressure knowing that they had this huge lead on Atlanta. And it kind of felt like if Atlanta had scored one, that Club America would have just come right back down the field and, and put the lead back at three goals. So DeBoer, I, th- I thought he did a good job readjusting in the second half, and his subs made it a big difference on the team. Again, especially Rosetto. But uh, th- things just did not go their way on the night, honestly, just from top to bottom. Yeah, I think just hearing that sub being made, you could tell when Rometty's coming off or Seto's coming on, um, you can just, from hearing that substitution, you know that this is going to be a little more of an attack-minded half. And, yeah, it was a lot better, more like the Atlanta that we were used to seeing. Um, but, yeah, like you said, I mean, a little a little too late, I think. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he, if, like, two is played, how he balances the you know not trying to let them get that away goal but at the same time you're down three nothing you gotta you gotta throw the kitchen sink at them um so it's gonna be hard but it's CONCACAF we've seen some crazy things so but those are the teams MLS and CCL um again up in the air a lot with the postponement I don't know MLS is suspended for 30 days I don't know how long CCL has suspended or postponed like to have they said anything about that i believe they also put out um 30 days i think they made their announcement um the day after mls but there's new developments and and bans happening all the time it feels like every hour there's a new development in this this whole pandemic so i think however mls ends up however long they end up postponing Either CCL will postpone the same amount, they'll adjust at the same rate, or I think people should start to brace for the possibility of there just not being any more Champions League um, this year, which is super unfortunate. Uh, but you know, I think I think everybody understands the levity of the situation, and you know, they as much as it sucks, I think I, at this rate, it's only been what like five days without officially without any sports. I think people will take all the soccer they can get. So if they at least get MLS back and no CCL, I'm sure a majority of people would, would be perfectly fine with that. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it keeps getting more and more um, every minute. It feels like because I know League of they just they were I feel like the last straw to call it quits for a while. So it's definitely it's up in the air. Um, but yeah, 30 days without MLS we can make, and apparently we have Australian W League, so keep your eyes peeled for that. Watch that. Is it the championship is on next? I be- yeah, I believe the uh, final for their uh, domestic season is uh, happening in the next couple of days. And now that I think about it, I believe a few of the Argentine Super League. Uh, I think a few of the teams are still playing. I think I just saw maybe earlier today or yesterday that um, Gremio wore uh, some surgical masks onto the pitch and sort of protest for having to still play. So, um, And I think Flamengo's manager also, he just lost a friend or a family member to the virus. Um, 
And so he's self-quarantining and the team has stopped training, but it's just that blows my mind that they, that there's still at this rate, some sports going on. But if not, you know, I'm starting to see uh, lots of people coming together and uh, a few teams, I believe the revolution, they streamed just a FIFA simulation on FIFA 20 um, of what, what would have been a game this weekend. And we're just treating it like a normal match. Uh, I saw NYCFC, they just replayed their first ever home match in 2015. Uh, and it caught me by surprise. I saw a lineup graphic on Twitter and I, I thought, what the heck is this? And uh, so they were just replaying that. And I think um, I just saw an awesome Reddit thread of people posting full 90 minute matches just from the last however so many years. So. I think people will uh, find a way to get by and just be in some odd and creative ways. Yeah, it was the Vancouver Whitecaps. Um, they tweet because I think they were supposed to play Colorado this past weekend, and they played Connect Four with the Rapids Twitter account. Oh yeah, yeah. I think I, th- I think I saw that going around. And instead of like the normal match highlights that MLS puts out, it was just a highlight video of how they beat the Rapids in Connect Four. So we got there's. There's still soccer around. MLS teams getting creative, and we love that. We we love it. But speaking yeah. of MLS, the fantasy league. How are you doing in fantasy? I know it's only been two weeks, and it's like, man, how's that going? <laughs> well, um, I set my lineups for the uh, first game, and this was this was my first season uh, doing fantasy. Um, for a while there, the, the first few years of following the league, I saw lots of people talking about fantasy and all that, but many times it seemed like people would lose interest midway through the season. So to me, I thought, uh, you know what, I, I don't I don't really think I'll give it a chance then if uh, that seems to be how most people approach it. But this year, with so many of us at MLS Multiplex getting together for a league, I figured I'll, I'll go ahead and throw something together. Um, I think... Um, I. I think I lost my first matchup, and I definitely forgot to set my lineup for the second game. But um, I was following along with the predict six. I, I was definitely doing more of that in those first two weeks. Um, that being said, I did horribly in the first two weeks. I think the first week I got three out of 12 things right. And then the second week, I did even worse, and I got one out of 12 things right. So, so far, uh, not so good for me in in any of the MLS fantasy stuff that's going on. Yeah, I tried to do predict six, but apparently you have to be 21, which I'm I'm almost there. I'm 20. So I, like, put my age in, and it's like, oh, sorry, you can't do it. So I'm out of predict six. (laughs) There you go. That'll that'll get you. That'll stop you. (laughs) I'm like, why do I have to be 21 to predict soccer games, but whatever mls do your thing but in fantasy i i forgot to set my lineup in week one and i didn't even like have anyone on my team and it's like compounded so it's like jordan is like leading the league with 168 points and i am 12th out of 13th you're in six so you're hanging in there okay so i i must have done a good job with my uh my first team I'm I'm looking now at my lineup and uh of course, you know, who I have starting up top. I got Joseph Martinez in there and he's he didn't do anything for me that second week and, and for some reason I, I threw in Miles Robinson too. So maybe I would have done better if I had been smarter about my my picks and who was actually playing. 
Man, yeah. Injuries. Injury FC in Atlanta. Yeah, Jordan's leading the league. He's got the little MLS logo. He's like, uh, was it Rob Lowe in the Super Bowl that wore the NFL hat? You know what I'm talking yes. about? Yeah, the referee hat. Yeah, that's what Jordan's doing in our fantasy league. So good job, Jordan. You're winning MLS fantasy. Proud of you, bud. But yeah, um, pretty crazy week um, in soccer. Uh, developments happening all around um but thanks so much guys for listening thanks josh for coming on and talking yeah appreciate it uh even with just all the, the all the craziness that's happening hopefully we can provide a little bit of a distraction to to people to whoever ends up uh, uh giving us uh giving us a listen yeah and aside from the podcast um we uh, be sure to check out the written articles. Um, these guys put out great stuff every day um, to keep the time passing in the break. So be sure to head to MLSMultiplex.com uh, to check out some really good stuff. Um, follow MLS Multiplex on Twitter at MLS Multiplex. And, yeah, keep listening, guys. We'll have another episode next week talking more about soccer in America, even though we're going through a break. Thank you for listening to the MLS Multiplex podcast. You can check out all of the writer's written work on MLSMultiplex.com. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.